Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. So Mike, in the first section of Isaiah 40, there are three voices that are bringing forth the message of comfort and good news, that God is going to redeem his people from captivity, forgive them of their sins, heal their depravity, and lead them back to Zion. Then we come to in many ways, some of the most well-known verses of Isaiah that speak to the greatness of God. But I think you and I would see Isaiah 40, 12 following, um, not only about the greatness of God, but also about the comfort that God is going to give his people. Yeah. Lead us into this section. Yeah. Maybe let's start with trying to understand the, the problem or the struggle, the kind of discouragement and despair that the people might be experiencing um, in exile and even as exiles ending. Um, I mean, if we, if we imagine the level to which their world was not just turned upside down, but destroyed, right. Um, the temple uh, destroyed the, 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 their seat of, of worship of their entire identity, what made Israel Israel. What made the people of God the people of God was was the temple and Jerusalem destroyed and um, the the walls torn down and and to be carried away into another land. Right, the land was so special to them. Right, y- you know we think of our own houses, our own homes, and and we're people of place, um, but even more so the, the 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 people of God. How they were so rooted to that place and rooted to that land and to be. Um, taken away from it and just dropped into this foreign place and foreign culture. Um, I mean, it was a little bit, uh, uh, you know, d- different for me, you know, as in college, I moved to Vermont for a year and, and I'm in the same country. And yet even to move regions from the Midwest to the Northeast, man, that was different. And it, and it, felt strange. And I was there Imagine getting, going from Kentucky to Indiana. I know. Right. Yeah, exactly. And there's no Zaxby's or anything. I know right? it's horrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, now there is because you, you talked about it so much, I, but anyway, yeah, I pick it up. Anyhow, go ahead. Back to um, but, but, you know, even, even people who've moved, you know, can appreciate a little bit of that, how, how unsettling it, it can be and disruptive. And, and, and so how much more so, exile and, and, um, you know, to have that, that foreign superpower ruling over you and, um, to, to have all that sense of autonomy and independence and identity just stripped away from you. Um, that that's a level of, of trouble of trial that is just how, how would you ever overcome that? What, you know, how do you ever get out of that? How do you ever come back from that? Um, and, and so, um, even, even in our own lives, right. When we think about some, some of the, the things that we're facing, um, you think about somebody who's diagnosed with cancer, uh, or somebody who's experiencing a job, the th- a job loss or even the threat of a job loss, right. There, or, 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 um, debt, bankrupt, you know, all sorts of financial troubles, all sorts of things we face that, that 
as we live through them, they seem so big and insurmountable. And how can we ever overcome these things? Mountains. Mountains. Yeah, exactly. And so what Isaiah 40 verses 12 through 31 do is they, they, they lead us to sort of step back to, to, to look up and to see the bigness, the greatness, the holiness of our God, especially in contrast to the nations and these political powers that have been ruling over them and oppressing and enslaving and these idols that they that that would be the power of these nations right where the where the nations derive their power and so helping to see okay these problems actually aren't as insurmountable aren't as big a mountains as they appear god is so much greater and 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 the so what that we'll see then at the end is therefore we wait on him and everything so maybe let's just dive into some of these you know, we won't look at every single line, but, but just some of these pictures of the greatness of God, you know? Sure. So and, in, yeah. And, and if I can just echo what you said briefly, because yeah. that, that was an exceptionally helpful way to think about what's going on in these verses. Um, you have Israel here in captivity and God makes a promise. I'm going to lead you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Our temple's destroyed. You can't be yeah. the great God. But I think what we're going to see here is creation itself is the greatest witness to the glory of God. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about Isaiah as a witness. And what Isaiah is going to see as the greatest witness to God's promises is creation itself. If Yahweh is the creator of heaven and earth. Well, then what he says is going to happen, period, end of discussion. Yeah. Uh, what we then need to do is wait on him. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's look, at, let's look at some of these. Uh, 12 through 14, what stands out to you there? Uh, yeah, again, it, just the whole the, thing, I, guess, I know. But. The, the bigness of God, right? You know, you look at the waters, and, and, and it's probably helpful to see this from the perspective of ancient cosmology. You've got the, the heavens is this dome. You've got the, the earth is the, the, the land that's below the dome. And then you've got the seas around it. And, and to think about he's, he's, he's looking at the waters. He's got the heavens. He's got the earth, even the mountains themselves and the waters, the, the seas that are these, I mean, these chaotic waters from creation, right? Yet he, he measures them out in the hollows of his hand. The heavens, you know, he just takes the span in the same way that that if we're going to build a house, we would measure it out. Um, you know, he's doing that with the heavens themselves, the, the earth, right? All the dust on this thing we call terra firma, right? He's just, um, or even great mountains, as if he's, as if we, you know, I'm I'm making pizza dough and I'm weighing out my flour and putting it on the scale to weigh it out. It's like God's doing that with the mountains. Right. Um, it, it's, it's just incredible. Again, the greatness, the bigness of God, um, even, even his judgment in verse, uh, 13 and 14, right. Uh, is, is one thing to say, okay, he's so powerful, but he's also holy in his wisdom, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way he exercises his power, the way he accomplishes and executes his plans and his purpose. Um, we think we could do it better. Who, who, who's begun to inform God. Um, but then you get to, well, I, you said through 14, so I'll stop there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I'd like to add to this is how absolutely triune this section is. Um, I, I'm convinced that Paul is alluding to this in first Corinthians two. Yeah. 
he talks about the spirit instructing. Um, we need to read this text, not merely as the father in mind, but the father, mm. son, and spirit all involved. Yeah. The father, yeah. son, and spirit, all three were actively involved in the work of creation. And this great communal love of God's own self um, and all that he has created is greater than anything that the nations could come up to come up with. I mean, yeah. before him, all the nations are like nothing. When yeah. we take today the superpowers of the United States or Russia or China, um, he regards them as less than nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a very good reminder for us. It's it's so important because yeah, I mean, we might as well talk about this in a contemporary application. You know, how disturbed can we be by political change or upheaval or turmoil or any of those kinds of things? And yet, man, how much bigger is God? What, right. All yeah. these things, yeah. Yes, and, and and then for them, right? Again, Babylon seems so great. The Medes and the Persians seem so great. They're like nothing before God. Yeah, and we can look back on this side of history and be like, yeah, they really weren't. I mean, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I would love uh, to, to ask my class even uh, if you can name five Babylonian emperors, uh, yeah, or kings, kings, yeah. Uh, uh, not really. I mean, mm-hmm. um, maybe Nebuchadnezzar, um, yeah, but. Other than that, they they they've just disappeared into the pages of the past, and yet totally. God remains. Yeah, exactly. So then you get to verse eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen Rouse has another song on this one that I love. Uh, Who can you compare to God? Mm-hmm. By what standard will you evaluate Him? Um, an image made by a craftsman, which a goldsmith overlays with gold. Now, what Isaiah is doing here is introducing a theme that he's going to come back to later. Mm-hmm. So um, Beethoven does this with some of his symphonies, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, the da-da-da-dun. He, he, he brings that back in the second, third, and fourth movement of the fifth symphony. Um, that's what Isaiah is going to do here. He's going to introduce yeah. this theme, mm-hmm. and then he's going to come back to it later and bring it to the forefront and show um, – no, the Babylonian idols have nothing in comparison to Yahweh. Yeah, absolutely. Adonai Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, he is far wiser and far more real than yeah. any of the idols that the Babylonians could come up with. Absolutely. And I love I love it's it's all I mean it's not almost it's it's comical the the way this this sort of sarcasm that he with which he describes the idols here, right? Um, you know, um, what would you compare Yahweh to the idol? Um, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, a silversmith chains of silver. And he who's impoverished for such a thing um, just finds a nice tree that doesn't rot, right? We, we want we want a good tree that's not started to rot. Um, and so he gets a craftsman and then he gets this idol and when he's finished doing all these things, like he's got it just right and it doesn't fall over and it's success. Right. right. <laughs> you, you know, right. and it's like, you know, yeah, that's, that's the power behind Babylon. Right. Um, <clears throat> no, thank you. I'll stick with Yahweh who measures yes. the, the holds the waters in the hollows of his hand and marks off the heavens with a span and measures the mountains in a scale. So then we get to verse 21, where um, there, a great old hymn about that. Have you not known him? Have you not, ho- not heard? Um, um, that's also going to come back in verse 28, that God is creator of all the earth. 
Um, yeah. Take us through these verses, down through verse yeah. six, Mike. What, what's going yeah. on? Again, it's it, I see it as so similar to to what's been going on, right? It's it's it continues to be this scale reference. It continues to be this exploration of the bigness of God. He sits above the circle of the earth, and again, in ancient cosmology, that's the sort of the dome of the heavens, right? He's above that. He sits above that, and he looks down on all the inhabitants, and they're like grasshoppers, um, as just these small little creatures. Um, he, and yet he, in the same way that we open our curtains in the morning to let in the light, he, or close the curtains to, at, at the end of the day, he stretches out the heavens in that same way. Um, and, and again, the question in verse 25, to whom then will you liken me? To whom that I would be his equal? Um, again, he's the creator. He's done all these these amazing things, these great things. He's, he's so great. He's so powerful. He's so holy. Um, so again, it's leading us to that same, uh, renewed perspective of God. Yes. And I love verse 22. Um, he spreads out the heavens like a tent to live in, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, here you have this tabernacle imagery. Again, we have to understand mm-hmm. this is poetic and it's figurative. Yeah. We don't sure. need to over literalize any of this. Um, oh yeah. But, but it's like God you, you, you could look up to the heavens and now with our even greater understanding of what that means, yeah, everything up in outer space, yeah, God can just spread it out mm-hmm. like a tent to live in. Yeah. It's nothing to him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing to him. Absolutely. And then verse 23, there there's this emphasis on, yes, God is creator and sustainer. Um, but also then um, he reduces princes to nothing, the rulers of the earth to emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown. Scarcely their stem takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they dry up. Um, so this this idea that even the princes of this earth, they, they barely get started when the word of the Lord comes and judges them. And yeah. that's what's going to happen to Babylon. It's like Babylon will barely be started when the Lord will judge him. Exactly. Um, well, let me note one other part of this text, Mike, that I think is important. Um, the, the two roles of God that are really emphasized in this text are creator and king. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to note, I think, in, in both of these is that there is this contrast between God as creator against the idols and yeah. God as king against the princes. Yeah. And in both cases, God is creator and God is king. That is the focus of God and who he's revealed as. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, to, to say it another way, we're seeing the greatness of God here in creation, the greatness of God over against the political powers that, well that rage against the earth. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. One more note before we move on. Verse 25. Um with whom am I equal? Ask the Holy One. That is Isaiah's most frequently used term for God, the Holy mm. One of Israel. The yeah, Holy oh, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I think it's hearkening back to chapter six, where holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole Absolutely. earth full of his glory, um, where God is the Holy One of Israel. Mm-hmm. So then we get to 27 through 31, from which a great many hymns are, 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 are crafted. Um, Verse 27, why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from Adonai? My rights are ignored by my God. To me, this sounds like a lament. The people are saying God has forgotten about us. God doesn't look at us. How are you understanding this? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. In, in the midst of their suffering and all that's happened to them, um, exactly as you said, does God see what's going on? Is is God going to do anything about all this injustice, all that's all the wrongs, all that's upside down and bent and crooked and corrupt and depraved, all that that all that's wrong. Yes, and 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 again. That, that's that's what we feel in the midst of our suffering. Um, that's what we feel when when our world is not as it should be, when our life is not as it should be. And what this teaching does is help us step back and say, "He knows, He sees, He's gonna He's gonna deal with it." Yes. Um, and th- and that's why in verse twenty eight, do you not know? Have you not heard the everlasting God, Yahweh, the Creator of the ends of the earth? He doesn't become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable, right? He, he's, he's got this, you know, is, is a way we could say that. Yes, 100%, right? And the answer to their lament is trust in the everlasting creator. Yeah. God does not grow tired. God does not grow weary. God yeah. never reaches a point that he doesn't know. Yeah. Trust in God. Trust yeah. in him. Now we have to wait, look at wait on him. Yeah, yeah, wait on the Lord, right? Now, this is where we're getting yeah. to. He invigorates the exhausted. He gives strength to the powerless. Young men may grow tired and weary, but even the fittest may stumble and fall. Those who hope in Adonai will renew their strength. They will soar aloft on eagles' wings. When they are running, they won't grow weary. When they are walking, they won't grow tired. Um, we have to note the Spirit of God in this, mm-hmm. where th- this typically we think of it with 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 within pagan nations the gods giving power to the powerful hmm. and god giving power yeah. to the the influencers yeah yet here the spirit of god is giving power to those without breath yes the spirit of god is giving breath to those who are spiritless yeah the, the spirit of god is giving strength to the tired it's why i call the paradox of god's glory yeah where god's glory is not given to those who see themselves as glorious but the spirit of god is given to those who are tired mm-hmm. and, and 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 the cross is obviously going to be the epitome of this yes where in the greatest forms of weakness, mm-hmm. that's where the strength of God really shines. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So good. Yeah. So it, you first, you first. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just going to say there, there's, um, I, I just see so much empowerment here, right? It, because the, again, the, the problem or the, the, what's at stake is, do you give up? Do you just despair? Do you quit? Um, and, and what he's trying to get us to see, and, and that's what stepping back and seeing the greatness of God empowers us to do is, okay, wait on him. Yes. Right. Um, well, wait so. on him. And, and in that waiting, he strengthens us in a way that we can't imagine. Yeah. Um, I, I just finished the first season of the Rings of Power, the new Lord of the Rings show. Mm-hmm. And my favorite quote from the first season was from Galadriel to Elrond in the final episode where she said, I wait, are you, it's you not a spoiler. Say, Don't worry. Okay. It's not a spoiler. It's not a okay. spoiler. Um, but Galadriel's talking to Elrond and she says, were it easy, it would not require trust. Mm, that's I good. love that. Yeah. And, and I think that that's the message that Isaiah is giving to the captives here. Mm-hmm. You're going through a 
horrid enslavement and captivity. And it seems that your enemy is going to overwhelm you. It seems that their gods are more powerful, but trust in the Lord, wait in him, rest in his promises. He is creator. He is king. He will redeem you. Wait on the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns. Thank you.